Hello, welcome to Enlightened Empaths with Samantha and Denise. We are so happy to have you join us once again. This week, we are going to be answering questions that you all have sent us um, on our Facebook page, which you can find at Enlightened Empaths. Um, And so Denise and I chose these questions because we feel that um, they're universal questions that everybody would want to know more about, and we're going to try to answer them to the best of our abilities. Right, Denise? (laughs) Perfect, yes. Yeah, we're not saying we know all these answers, but we're going to um, do our best. Uh, Before we start, I just want to say thank you so much to all of our listeners. It's just been wonderful to see the way our show is growing, and we really appreciate you all joining us on our Facebook page and leaving comments on um, the iTunes page because it helps other people find us, and it's just been exciting seeing this community of empaths grow together, hasn't it? It has, and and also the validation that we're, I know I say this a lot, but that we're finding each other, and when I read some of the comments and people will say, you understand what I'm feeling like, I hope you all know that there's reciprocity and that I also am so excited that people understand the way that I feel, and i do you, do you agree with well, that, Samantha? I totally agree yeah. with that, yes, yes. And it's making me um, become more confident in my empath abilities rather than, I don't know, ashamed of them? That's not really the right word. No, but that that's an excellent point because since we started doing this, I've been embracing the sensitivity more and not, not making excuses for it or not... Um, not having to explain it to people so much. It's just who I am. And I love that. Me too. Me too. Okay, well, I'll start reading the first question and then uh, we'll just go from there. Does that sound good? Yeah. Okay. So a lot of these people, I didn't ask them, like, can we use your question on the show? So I'm not going to include names. Uh, But these are all questions that were sent to us on our Facebook page. Okay, first one. I just want you both to know I'm so thrilled you're doing this podcast. I really feel it is needed now more than ever. Like Denise said in an earlier episode, there are more light workers than ever waking up, myself included. It is so easy to feel lost, especially with the state of our world right now. I really feel it is ripe for changing and that we are in the middle of a big shift, which is why I'm so glad you guys are doing this. It's really easy to find introductory level info on tapping into your psychic abilities and being an empath, but there is a complete lack of material for those of us who have gone past the intro stage. Your podcast feels like material for your sophomore or junior year of psychic college. I like that idea. Uh, I particularly loved the money episode. You guys really delved into some real issues, not just fluffy, you can manifest it stuff. One issue I'd love to hear you guys do a show on is one that has popped up for me recently, dealing with being an empath at work. I am currently working in a really negative, critical, cutthroat environment, and it's been very hard. I've been in other negative work environments before, and they always drain me of so much energy. Work environments are often not ideal for anyone, but for empaths, it seems like they can be particularly toxic. Beyond surrounding yourself with white light and covering your desk with crystals and taking salt baths, how do you handle so much time spent in a negative environment when you're sensitive? What purpose does the empath have in a difficult situation like this where they are often the victim of the criticism and negativity? How do you cope when you can't escape the negativity? Thank you for doing this podcast. I believe it's so crucial right now. And thank you for being our guiding lights. Isn't that a beautiful letter? It really is. I was so touched really when I read that. Um, and I know the woman who sent it, and she's just as beautiful as her words. <laughs> Isn't that fun when you know the face behind the, the it words? Is. It is. I have a great little story for this one, if you don't mind me jumping right in. Please. Okay. And and we we talked about this with the, when uh, protecting yourself, and I said how when I'm driving to work, I always do uh, the same prayer and meditation at the same time on the road, and I, you know, ask you know my dream team, which archangels and guides and Mother Mary and God, and I, I just you know I have my whole team that I ask, and I ask for protection. I ask to honor my light as well as light within others. Well, when I went into work a couple few days ago. I 
started feeling nauseous and headachy and just drained. And I thought, oh no, here we go again. I just, this building, it's toxic. What am I going to do? I still have, you know, X amount of time, blah, blah, blah. So then I realized, oh my, you know, just, you know how sometimes you just get that big cowbell going off in your head and it's like, this isn't mine. And I Mm -hmm. felt like I thought, where is this coming from? And I work with uh, teenage people and adults as well. And there was this one person in the room and I thought, oh my goodness, this is coming from that person. And what I did, and I, I never, it was just kind of one of those automatic things you do, is I took a deep breath and I went around the corner and I put my hands out like I was pushing something and I just, so no one could see me, but I went around the corner and I pushed it and I said, no, thank you, this isn't mine. And I pushed the energy back to the person. And literally, and you cannot make this stuff up, within like two minutes, I started to feel more like me, I'm happy, I'm joking around. Within five minutes, the person that I had redirected it back to said, I have to sit down. I don't feel good. I feel lightheaded. My stomach's upset. I'm getting a headache. Wow. All of the physical symptoms that I had just been through. And then after that happened, he got really angry and annoyed. And I thought, oh, my gosh, how, mu- how long have I been sucking this up and being corded and not realizing where it was coming from? So then I thought about our shows that we've done and we've talked about that, how, you know, it can be kind of insidious that you may not know who's courting on to you. But that little push thing, I had never done that before in a work environment. It was fabulous. So that was my story. That's a great story. But just wow. again, how, you know how you said we're, we're not the experts because we're always learning this too. And even though we, we talk about cords, we talk about grounding, we talk about protecting ourselves, when you get one of those aha moments of the application of it in a way that you've never done, which is why I just love juju so much, is because you can never, there's always something more you learn. Totally. I, so. I completely agree. That's a great story. I'm going to try that, just physically pushing the energy back to the source. And, and, you, and did not, you know it was coming from that man at that time? Yes. Yes. Because, okay. And I didn't, I hadn't made the connection before that. Mm-hmm. Um, and when I did, though, and, and it wasn't, I wasn't being mean or aggressive. It was a very gentle no thank you, and I just kind of literally put my hands up like I was pushing something and just sent it back to the person and then kind of protected myself. And I, and I kept thinking in my head, you know, that's not mine to own. Um, I was really excited about it. <laughs> that's very exciting. I'm, I'm going to try that. And I imagine you could do that even if you didn't know the source of the um, negativity coming to you. I imagine right. you could just push it back and just say, uh, this is not mine. I'm pushing it back to its source. Well, have you ever done that as far as when you're feeling kind of depleted, pull your energy up and then just send it out like in a, like a ripply wave, like radiate your energy out? Mm-hmm. To, kind of to protect yourself, but also to raise your vibration a little bit. So yeah. that was another thing I remembered after I did that. It's like, you know what? Send out that healing light. It doesn't have to be at this person specifically, but it also is going to help the vibration of the room. That's perfect. The other suggestion I would have too is to um, examine the patterns that you've had with these negative work experiences. I was doing a reading this morning and she, the client was focused on career and she said, um, I really, really want to change careers and I'm doing everything you're supposed to do, and I'm just not finding a new job. And the message I got from her guides was that she would not find a new job until she learned to confront the negative boss she was dealing with at her current job, that that was her lesson. Oh. And, yeah, and it reminded me, I remember, you know, I've I've talked about this before, but I've had a series of negative female bosses and I started in college. I was um, like an administrative assistant assistant. <laughs> and, and my boss was just really, really mean to me. And 
I would, you know, I'd come home on weekends or for break and I'd complain about it to my dad. And, and I remember he said, well, just quit. Like life's too short. You don't need that. Just quit. Find a new job. You know, when you're 20, you can do that. <laughs> I was like, okay. Right. So I just quit. And then I got um, my first job out of college and uh, I had another really, really mean boss and I thought about what my dad said. And so I quit that job and I got another job and I had a very mean female boss. Um, and I was there for about two years and then I quit and I went to my full-time teaching job and I had, um, not a mean boss, but she was just one that never respected our boundaries Mm -hmm. and she was manipulative and she would kind of play people against each other and you know, that passive aggressive stuff. Yes. And I was, we were all complaining about it all the time and I was complaining to one of my friends about it and, um, she said, to me, she said, Samantha, it seems like you have a pattern of mean female bosses. I wonder if the universe is trying to get you to confront that issue. And so I thought about it and I thought, okay, well, who's the mean female in my life I need to confront? And I went back to my mom. And so I started really working on not really confronting my mom with some of her manipulations, but because uh, that doesn't work, but changing myself and the way I respond mm-hmm. to it and setting my boundaries. As I started doing that with my mom, not with my w- weird boss <laughs> at my job, <laughs> things started to shift almost magically at work. And it's too long of a story to go into here. But HR ended up making her take early retirement. Wow. So within six months of me figuring out the pattern of my personal issue with with negative female bosses, Mm -hmm. it changed. And they hired a new woman, another female, to be my boss. And she was wonderful, still is a wonderful leader and boss. Um, So I think if you can look at what is the pattern of negativity you may have experienced in your jobs? Is it um, mean coworkers? Is it people excluding you? Um, Is it bosses not respecting your boundaries? Is it uh, not feeling like you belong there? You know, that imposter syndrome. So ask yourself, like, what is the pattern of negativity I've experienced in my work life? And then ask yourself, where is that emotion rooted in my childhood? And try to heal it at the root. And then it'll start to reflect itself in your current life. I think that's excellent. And it also brings up, it it jumps the fence a little bit, but also when, um, you know, people will joke and say dating the same person with a different face. When you keep drawing in the same person and those same lessons until you nailed it, until you change your own behavior or your own way of looking at it because we're not going to change anyone else. I don't want to change anyone else. That's that's their work and their business. Um, but I love that. That was that makes perfect sense as well. Uh, and also, if another piece with the just the last little piece on that work environment stuff is mm-hmm. if it's if it's sucking the life out of you, use the time you're there to figure out what you're going to do next. Make a game plan. Set some new goals. Say. And, and I'm being respectful of you may live in a very rural area and there aren't a lot of options or you're the primary breadwinner and you need to stay with this job so you need to do whatever you can to keep it. But if it's at all an option to do something that more aligns with, with who you are here on the planet, I would say while you're there, start start getting your game plan together. Yeah, because I think it's important to always, always, always remember that we have choices. When I was yes. doing the reading for that woman uh, this morning, and I did, you know, I pulled tarot cards to see, you know, if it would validate what I was picking up. In the present position, she got the Eight of Swords. And oh that is the card of restrictions and feeling chained. And, and it shows a woman, and, and she's like loosely chained in the card. and And the message is, The woman in that card feels as though she's chained to the situation, but if you look at the picture, those chains are pretty loose and she could slip out of them. So sometimes we feel that we are stuck in a situation and it can look like that, but there's always choices, always. Right. 
And but I I'll, just think if I, you... Go ahead. Oh, I'm sorry. Go ahead. No, no. <laughs> I was just going to say, with that Eight of Swords, when it comes up in a reading, a lot of times that's one of the first things that I'll say is Eights are about change, and this card is letting you know that you have some options. So even if it may not feel like you, you do and you're feeling stuck and trapped, know that you do have some choices that are, are in your life now or getting ready to present. So, Yes, exactly. And so I think that there's um, always going to be that impetus to just leave that, that job, just leave that situation. And I think if you're in a negative situation and you can leave that job, I, def- I definitely think you should. Like my dad said, life is too short. Right. But I just feel that if you don't fix what's happening within you as to why you're attracting these negative situations, you're just going to recreate it at the new job. So yes. before leaping, try to try to look at, you know, what is it that the universe is trying to teach me in this situation? And I think reflecting on the pattern is a really good way. And keep a spare pair of blinders in your bag. So that if it really gets obnoxious and toxic, just slap those blinders right on and say, you know what, I'm here to be of service and do my job and make the most of it, if that's an option. Well, you know, that just reminded me, I I did a reading for, um, an email reading for a woman last week, and she had a very similar question. And one of the things her guide showed me was that her, her role, like her purpose at that negative work environment was to be a light worker. You know, they said mm-hmm. that she brings so much joy to that negative environment. It was a little different than the client this morning, and I think then our listeners' question, it wasn't that the negativity was directed at her. It was just a very competitive negative environment mm-hmm. in general. And um, so her guys were saying that her her role there is to be this joy bringer. And I said to her, that's lovely, and I think it's beautiful that you're doing that. But if there's not an even exchange of energy, it's time to move on. Like, tell your guides, I'm happy I brought joy to this job, but I'd like another <laughs> another yes. experience to bring joy. And I think it's perfectly fine to request that as well. And And add that on to how can I best be of service and enjoy my time here on the planet and have more exactly. joy. So. Exactly. Okay. okay. Do you want, want to do another question? question? Sure. Sure. Okay. As an empath, I'm so excited about your new podcast. Thank you. So are we. I just got done listening to your first one, and after doing all kinds of research on my own, it feels good to hear that I'm not the only one who has lived with. Excuse me a moment. <coughs> Excuse me. Ooh. <coughs> with this isolation from like-minded people. It's interesting. My throat closed up on that one. Discovering I'm an empath was such a relief for me in so many ways. I do have a question, though. I'm 22 weeks into my first pregnancy. Congratulations. And I've noticed that I'm not picking up as much from others that I used to. Is it possible that we are shielded more from our empathic side when we are pregnant? I would say yes, but... Me too. Me too. Shields up. Protect that baby. And especially... I, and I remember having this conversation with my ex husband when I was pregnant with my first son. I was—you don't know what's happening. You can read all the books you want, what to expect when you're expecting. You can talk to people. It's—it's it's all brand new, fresh. I'm sorry. So if I think a default position is protect yourself, protect that baby. That's just my opinion. I, I completely agree. I think there's so much going on for any woman who's pregnant, but especially for an empath. Um, yeah, those those shields automatically go up, and it's kind of it's kind of nice. It's kind of a nice break. Now, I always had um, <laughs> really though it is um, in my. Now, I feel like at 22 weeks she's hit the sweet spot. I love the second trimester. Isn't that, yes, to me that's like the best. You know when you're pregnant and you're feeling good and the morning sickness has faded a bit. Um, but the third trimester for my pregnancies is when my intuition would uh, would pop back really wide open and I'd have lots of intuitive dreams and things like that. Yes. But the first and second trimester, I usually did feel pretty shut down. And I don't think that's a bad thing. I think that's a good thing. And I do agree that you are shielding not only yourself, but, but your baby. Right. And I think it's a reminder that if our body does that automatically when we are pregnant, 
with conscious effort and meditation and visualization, we can do that when we're not pregnant. Yes, that's a very, very good point. There's something powerful about, um, look, look at this profound statement. There's something powerful about being pregnant. Jeez, man, I never knew that. But, <laughs> but what I mean is that um, there's, it's like you just surrender. You know, your body is just doing all of these things on its own, and you don't know what's going. You don't, you don't know how you're growing this child inside of you. Your body knows. Right. And if you if you just recall that, if you've ever been pregnant, or just think about it, if if you're just a man and you're like, I don't know what these ladies are talking about, but if you just think about all the stuff that your body does anyway, not even talking about pregnancy, just the fact that it's beating right now, it's pumping blood, it's cleaning out toxins, it's digesting food, it's retaining memory, it's doing all this, this stuff without us even being aware, imagine what we can do with our empathy and our intuition if we do become more aware and remember See, how powerful what we are. I love about that is I've said this for years is that intuition and psychic abilities and you know that intense when you hone your sensitivities it's instinctual because and you know we're mammals we're on the planet blah 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 but but animals do that instinctually. Like when uh, Phuket happened and the big tidal was, the animals knew, we're getting out of here. We're heading for high ground. Nobody knew that tidal wave was coming. The animals knew, though, and instinctually they followed that. They may have picked up on the vibration. I'm sure there's a science explanation for that. But still, it's that, you, have you ever heard the expression, if my dog doesn't like you, then I don't, or I've seen yeah. it on a bumper sticker or something. And that's always a huge sign for me is I watch how my dogs will react to people. And if I feel the same way about them as the dogs do, because they know, they know on an instinctual level. And I think that that's that same thing when we're pregnant or when we're going through a transition every time physically that is either beyond our control or new to us, we are in that, um, that primal instinctual place in our brain. Mm -hmm. And this is what I love so much about encouraging and teaching people to open up and accept their intuition, because when you do, you will grow in confidence in all the other areas of your life. And you can do it in the littlest of ways. Like, for example, if you're calling someone, ask yourself while the phone is ringing, will they answer or not? I yeah. will guarantee you 99% of the time you're going to be right. And it's those little tiny hunches, you know, like, um, you know, don't go down that road or go down this road. Or, And it's always in hindsight. In hindsight, we'll go, you know, I kind of knew I shouldn't have taken that job when, you know, he said such and such at the interview. Or I kind of knew there was something off with that person when they did such and such. But when you start to awaken your intuition and embrace your empathy, you don't need the hindsight. You don't need to be the Monday morning quarterback. You can you can direct the flow of your life from the minute it's flowing. And, and that's what's that really goes, powerful. Yes. And it goes back to not having to explain why you're making the choice or the statement that you're making. Mm -hmm. So mm -hmm. if you say, I just I just feel like this is a better choice for me when you're your empathy or your intuition is, you know, waving flags and saying, don't, you want to take a, a new direction. And I think that's a huge part of the confidence thing, don't you? Yes, I do. Okay, the next one is just a comment, and I, I'm not including this to pat Denise and I on our back. I'm, I'm only including it um, so that everyone can know that we're, we're all connecting here, which is so nice. Um, this one just says, I finally figured out last week that I am an empath. I've been listening to your podcast and wanted to let you know that everything you and Denise say hits home with me, and I am amazed. You even use phrases and words exactly as I use them. I have felt so alone for so long, and I'm glad and terrified to have finally learned what is wrong with me, quote, unquote, and that others feel exactly as I do. So thank you. I love that. Because it's me true. Too. We have all felt it me willy. along with us. Me too. Me too. Right. You know, I have always felt um, bad about being so sensitive. 
I'm, my family of origin has always made me feel bad about that. Oh, Samantha, you're so sensitive. Oh, Samantha, you mm-hmm. remember everything. And yet when you start to embrace this, um, I think that's a really good thing. Um, and then the next comment was just, just wanted to send you a little note to tell you that I love your new podcast. Yesterday's show seemed like it was speaking directly to me. And that was our show on um, the money and the empath. And so Denise uh, and I have discussed, we need to revisit that topic because we we got so many emails and comments on, on how much that show hit home for people. Yes. Yes. And, and it's, it's a fun topic because it's something mm-hmm. we can all, we can all use and we can, it's, it's that energy. That's a huge, huge, uh, the, the whole money and the economy and what's going on right now. Anyway, we'll, we'll have a show on that. That will be fun. Um, Do you want to read the next want, one? Sure. Uh, I needed to write and say thank you. I just started listening to the new podcast and you've reiterated something you said on Psychic Teachers as well that has changed everything for me. I've been scared to really open up to my intuition because I was nervous that it might mean I start seeing spirits everywhere. I was scared as a kid by things I saw at night and shut it off somehow and I didn't want to reopen it all. But you've said you get shown things in your mind, and I was like, oh, my gosh, I've been doing this all along. Pictures in my head, smells coming around me, tobacco, perfumes, cookies. It just really was a game changer to have someone tell me it's okay. It's not like you're going to start seeing dead people everywhere you look. (laughs) Sounds silly now. I had a massage last week, and I just felt so strongly a grandmotherly feeling and wanting to call the young man darling child. I didn't know what to do with it. I said nothing, but it made me realize this is real and I am picking up things and it's not frightening at all. Thanks to you and Deb and now Denise as well. I really like the new podcast so far. Thank you for your money episode. Light bulb after light bulb went off for me that hour. I'm so grateful for the show. I love it. I feel empowered to ask my guides for help and surrender my worrying and know that everything will be okay. Thank you. Oh, that's so lovely. So it goes back to the validation piece as far as um, when we've talked about Judith Horloff's book and you read a, a passage in that and it's like, oh my gosh, she understands what, I'm, what my life is like. And I said this to someone that I was doing a reading with the other day who was highly sensitive that the more we can find each other, the more we can connect, the more we can validate, the stronger we're... I, I, that eternal optimist it may be, I do in my soul believe we're raising the vibration and that's what the earth needs right now. I think that's what we need as a culture right now. I agree 100%. And I think it's important to have that validation and to know that, you know, you don't have to be um, a John Edward, a James Von Prague um, you don't have to see spirits with your physical eyes. You don't even have to be a medium or or a, a full-time intuitive to embrace no. your intuition. It's just as simple as understanding that we are all connected in this beautiful universe. And so when you start to embrace that and you get a thought about, you know, someone connected to your massage therapist, it helps you feel connected to that massage therapist. When you're, driving to work and you get a thought about a friend of yours and you think I need to call her and you call her and it's exactly what she needed was to hear from you and and just reconnect with you it's just such a beautiful awareness that we all have this it's not a gift that's doled out to a select few it's something that we all have and when you align that with what is your true self so if your passion is rescuing animals or your passion and you're, you know, empathically, you're spot on, you're intuitive, you're all those things. If your connection is, or if another person might be, they really kick it with doing the aesthetics of a room. So when you walk in there, you just feel peaceful and calm. Whatever your piece is that you're able to apply your, your intuition, your sensitivity to, embrace that because it's specific to you. And if you're trying to emulate someone else, you're going to miss that piece. Does that? Well said. And I, I think that's, I, I'm grateful beyond grateful that the energies have shifted. People are more uh, open to, I mean, I, 
quite a bit older and and there's been many years where I've lived in parts of the country where there was no way I was going to mention that this is who I really am because it would have been very uncomfortable for me but also for the people I was talking to. So we've had the media explosion of mediums and psychics and all of these things but with that I think it's opened up a little bit of comparison or people trying to be like instead of being themselves. Mm-hmm. You know, um, my daughter, my 15-year-old, got her PSAT scores back, and I thought she did amazing. I don't do well on those. <laughs> I still remember my PSAT and my SAT scores, and I thought she did great. Um, but she has all these just wicked smart friends. So she was complaining, you know, she's like, all my friends are, you know, sons and daughters of doctors and they're just so naturally smart and it's not fair. I have to work so hard for everything. I'm na, 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 na. And I said to her, <laughs> honey, <laughs> I said, I want you to imagine that life is one big line. Just imagine you're in line for a ride at Disney World. That's life. There's always going to be people in front of you and there's always going to be people behind you. Your job is not to worry about your place in that line. Your job is to make the best of your place in that line. What a nice message. Well, it's just so true. We don't get anywhere in life by comparing ourselves to others. And look, I did it. I still, I still do it. I Look, I can preach to the best of them, but I mean, I, I still have to learn everything <laughs> I talk about. <laughs> yes, me too. But, you know, because I... You know, I do it with you. How many times have I called you up on the phone and said, oh, I just did this reading and this this went well, but this didn't. And I just, I hate this. And why can't I be this type of medium? And why can't it come through easily? And I mean, I do it all the time. And I know you do too. And it's yes. pointless. Where does it get us? Nowhere, except we're just, Nowhere. we're really good at beating ourselves up. Yeah. <laughs> and so now I, it's true though. Like I had a um, someone sent me an, a, a one question email reading and and said um, I've lost this ring. Can you tell me where I lost my ring? And you know, in the past, I would have tried. I would have really tuned in and tried. But this time, I returned her money and I said, I am really, really good at tuning into um, people's guides. Uh, getting a sense of their work issue, relationships, and financial stuff. I'm really good at that. I can see patterns in relationships. I can see what's coming up. When it comes to health issues intuitively or finding lost items, I stink. Yeah. And instead of just saying, oh, I'm such a bad intuitive, I'm, what, what am I doing? What am I doing creating this career when I can't find a lost item? Instead of doing that, I've just set my boundary and said, you know what, I'm not good at that. I've no I know from experience, it's not my thing. No big deal. You know, it's just mm-hmm. life again, life's too short to beat yourself up for that. And so I've just decided those are the two things I know I can't do well. And, and it also you took your power back by returning the mm-hmm. money and saying, This isn't me. This um and I found like with those kind of things, I had someone call and ask me that. They wanted me to connect with someone in spirit for something that was lost. And they wanted, they said, well, can you ask Bob where, the, where he put that? Because we can't find it. And, oh, hello, no pressure there. Um, right. So, but, but, and no disrespect to anyone that's listening. It's just we, we all have strengths and weaknesses. That's what I tell the students mm-hmm. in my class as well. And, but, just as an aside, like names aren't my thing. And people say, well, are you getting a name? And I'm like, no, but if I do get a name, I'm going to be a lot more excited than you could ever dream of being because it's so rare to get them. But I do know mediums that pull through names that like they're looking through a phone book and it's, it's impressive, but it's not, it's not my strength. It's not your strength and that's okay because right. your other but we can work on it or amazing. Oh, sure. Yeah, we don't have to yeah. like, leave it and go, well, I'm not going to try that. But it it just doesn't help to, you know, berate yourself. Okay, no. this is a fun little story. Ladies, I just had to share this. I listened to today's podcast this afternoon and decided to do a little experiment. My godmother passed away in April of 2010. For some reason, she popped up in my thoughts as I was listening to today's episode. She loved the Allman Brothers. So I asked her to play an Allman Brothers song for me to know she's around. I have to admit, at the start of my drive home from work, I was scanning the radio, wanting an Allman Brothers song to come on. 
Then I said to myself, silly, it doesn't work that way. By the time I reached my street, I had forgotten my request to my godmother. As soon as I pulled into my driveway, the DJ on my favorite college radio station says, I ain't going to waste any more time. Here are the Allman Brothers and played their song of that title on the college radio, no less, which plays all different kinds of music, but usually more contemporary stuff. Well, I teared up. Amazing. Simply amazing. Thank you so much for reminding me that our loved ones are always nearby. Great episode. Isn't that a cool story? It, it's an incredibly cool story. And, and don't you just love when you get out of the way? And yes. you say, okay, sorry, I'm, I'm trying to put the pressure on here. Uh, I did that last week. I had an event, and it was my mother was around. And, but I wanted, and this is where you push the envelope, I wanted her to validate. I wanted to know, are you really here? Am I just, because I can sense, I mean, we can all sense people we love in spirit. I just think it's honing that skill. And one of the things, and I think I've shared this with you, is I was walking through the store, and my eye got pulled to this CD uh, display. And you know how when you look at like a whole, there's like 20 things up there, but your eye goes to one thing? Mm-hmm. And it went right to this um, holiday. And the title of it was Amazing Grace. And I've shared that that's my, um, my dog that I have right name. Her name is Grace. And it's after Amazing Grace, which we, I had my boys play at my mother's um, end of life ceremony. So, it, I took that as my sign. But earlier in the day, I was like, You're not gonna, uh, why won't you send me a sign? I want a sign. Please send me a sign. But when I get out of the way, boom, there it was. There it was. And that's how everything, I think, works with manifesting is getting out of the way. But I also love that, you know, she got out of the way, she surrendered it. But then the DJ said, all right, I'm not going to waste any more time. Here they are. As though her godmother on the other side was like nudging him that whole time, you know, going, play that song, play that song. (laughs) (laughs) And especially if it's not a song that would usually play on that station. I think that's fabulous. I do too. All right. Do you want this to read amazing. the next one? Um, Yes. I wanted to say how amazing this podcast is. Thank you. I have learned so much about myself as an empath. Things I didn't even know were from being one. I just assumed for so many years that I just had bad anxiety and felt crazy. I'm not crazy. Exclamation point. Very well-deserved exclamation point. I'm learning to ground myself. Your podcast is so very invaluable to me. Thank you. Next, a question. Listening to your latest podcast, it keeps bringing my parents and sister to mind. I would describe them as being energy vampires. I'm not sure on how to handle things with them. I set boundaries. I ask for space. Due to immense anxiety, any time they sent a message, my chest felt so heavy and I had knots in my stomach. It physically really kicked my ass. They ignored my requests for space. The issue we had was turned around on me and somehow the issue was my fault because I got upset. They absolutely refused to accept responsibility for a crappy decision that I didn't agree with in regards to my child. I didn't want to lose my family, but I'm really struggling with how to even have a relationship with them when things get turned around and I'm the bad guy when I stand my ground. Suddenly I've become this horrible person when I feel they are at fault and refuse to accept my feelings, decisions, nor will they offer an apology. I'm honestly baffled on how to proceed. They want me to just forget it and move on, always. How do you set boundaries with family that refuses to accept them? Oh, is the rest connected with that as well? Yes, I'm still here. I'm just thinking because... Okay, I'm just... What, such is, a- Go ahead. Is the next little paragraph connected with that one as well? No, no. That's okay. Okay, I didn't think so. Um, yes, that really hit home for me. Me too. Did it for you as well? Oh, sure. Because you know, I've I've dealt with that and still dealing with that. And I think if you study narcissists, one of the ways that they manipulate us is by it's something called triangulating. And that is when they get other people on their side to bully up against you. Yes. And it sounds like that's what's happening. And I think, too, um, to question a parent's decision about their child, that's a no-no anyway. 
you know, and, and I, I mean, I just don't think you can do that. No. And uh, I, I think sometimes as empaths, and I feel like this is applicable to myself, um, we're breaking the cycle of some family patterns with our parenting choices. And maybe some of the things that happen to us as young people or in our family of origin, we're making distinct choices not to continue that with our own children. And that can cause some pretty significant conflict with family of origin. I agree. And I think, you know, her question ultimately is how do you set boundaries with family that refuses to accept them? Well, I think you just keep setting the boundary. You just keep right. setting it um, because it's it's all reinforced behavior, right? So, like, right. if you set your boundary one time and then the next time you break it, well, that sends a message to them that if they just keep pushing, eventually you'll back off too. But if you keep setting that boundary and you don't walk away from it, eventually they're going to get it or they're going to make it clear to you that you need to walk away. Right. And I know that's and a it, very uh, difficult and personal decision for everyone, but some people are uh, so damaged inside with what they're called malignant narcissists that most therapists will even agree that no contact is the only way. But that's a personal decision, and it's nothing that anyone should come to lightly. But no. to me, you have to set the boundary again and again and again and again. It's like, I hate to compare this lovely lady's family to my dog, but I'm going to for a second. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> so when my, you know, I have, I have two little Yorkies, uh, one I rescued last year, but one Lily I've had since she was eight weeks old. And she's so little and she's like, she's like a little live teddy bear walking around my house. She's so darn cute. And so when, when I'm sitting at the dinner table, she'll try to jump on my lap. She'll stare at me with those chocolate brown eyes. She'll do anything. She believes she's a human. She does not like dog food. So when we're eating dinner, she likes to eat whatever I'm eating. I mean, she'll eat blueberries. She'll eat broccoli. Whatever I'm eating, she'll eat. And when she was a puppy, I couldn't resist, and I would give her a little bit of what I was eating. Well, a couple of years later, I'm like, you know what? i got to stop this because I'd have people over for dinner and she'd jump on my lap and they'd look at me like, we're doing this now, Samantha? (laughs) (laughs) So I decided to set the boundary. And so for months, I just wouldn't give her any food when I was at the dinner table. And one time, after a couple of months, I acquiesced and I gave her a little piece of my chicken and she's back right back, jumping on my lap, even though it had been months of me setting the boundary. So I had to reset that boundary, and it took months and months again, but she's finally gotten it. And I just feel like that's how these people are. They don't know how to respect a boundary. But if you keep reinforcing it, eventually they will get it. It's not easy. It's not a quick fix, but it is worth it. Now, there are are members of my family of origin that don't know how to respect a boundary and in that case you know I had to make the choice to walk away from those relationships again not easy but much better because look at the physical response she described that she goes through yes that's huge and and also the protecting her her child because this this feels that's a huge, that goes back to what we talked about a few minutes ago of that instinctual place of protecting your baby. And if there are things that, if she made a decision that she felt was in the best interest and people are negating that, they're all, that's a, not only, as you mentioned, undermining her, her uh, authority as the parent, but also sending out that message of you don't you're not doing it right you're not doing this the way you're supposed to Um, and I have to agree with you a hundred percent of it's one of the hardest things for an empath to do is to set boundaries with family of origin especially if it it comes to the point where you have to step away and I did I, I did yes you did too and it's not easy it's not. No. Um, but, you know, uh, my therapist said to me um, with, you know, my situation of walking away from, from my narcissistic mom, he said, 
you're in a lose-lose situation. You got to pick the way you want to lose. If you stay in that relationship, you're going to continue to be hurt. If you walk away from that relationship, you're going to feel riddled with guilt. So just pick the way you want to lose. And I, I like that idea. I mean, I don't know, yeah. that, doesn't, that didn't come out right. But it's, it's true. You know, like it's not, a, it's not a win-win. And so you have to pick what's right for you. And it's personal for everyone. And there are people in my life who don't understand my decision. And, that's, and I respect that totally. And I just, you know, but I honor myself and, and what I know to be true for me. Yes. That's, and it's, you know, different for everyone. But you posted something on our Facebook page a couple of weeks ago that I just loved. And I'm going to misquote it, but it was something like, the worst thing about being an empath is that we even feel bad for the assholes in our life. <laughs> I almost didn't post that one. I thought, no, I have to. Because it's true. So, it is so true. It is so <laughs> true. Okay, this next one is kind of um, similar. Um, your shows are great. Thank you so much. My sister-in-law is a narcissist. Her father was diagnosed with narcissistic personality disorder, and she has definitely inherited some or a lot of these traits. It's really difficult being her friend. Recently, I discovered that she has been very detrimental to me in past lives, and since that discovery, it's been easier to just be free of her. Thank you for the validation. And so, again, that's another, you know, example of people who have made decisions to walk away from the narcissist in their life. And, you know, like I said, that's hard. That's that's not an easy uh, decision to make, and yet... I think it's one of the strongest and most empowering decisions that we can make. It, I read something earlier today, and it was and it was interesting because they're saying you know any kind of a disorder or a um, there's a, a spectrum. You and you you may not. So when you get to the point where someone is that narcissistic personality disorder, that's that far end of the spectrum. And and there are a lot of other stepping points to the other end where there might be a mild because I think we all have the tendencies of every disorder on some level. And, well, which is an odd way to look at it, but I've worked in special ed and and with um, people with mental health issues for a very very long time, and I I think you can see a lot of the tendencies in most people. It just depends on how it manifests. Um, mm-hmm. So yes. So the past life thing, mm-hmm. I think someone asked me the other day if we could do a show on that, we on should. people we've brought back lifetime after lifetime, you mm-hmm. know, and why. And I, I've said this. I think this lifetime, a lot of us are, we're drawing that line in the sand and saying, you know what, not this time. Yes. Not going to do it. But I do think it can be empowering to discover the the past life connection and, again, see the pattern in those relationships and the source. I think that can be very empowering. You know, I, I just want to say something about narcissists, and we need to do that show again because we had all those audio yes. issues, so we need to redo that show. But um, I don't like the word narcissist because if you look at the story that it originates from, you know, that Greek guy narcissist who, like, loved the way he looked so much that he fell in the lake and drowned – that's such a benign example of a narcissist. I would not I would not mind at all having a family member or a friend who just loved themselves a lot and thought they were beautiful. Would that that would right. not bother me. I'd be like, rock on, more power to you, sister. <laughs> narcissist <laughs> Narcissist in my experience are are so much more than that. It's so much more than vanity. To me, the narcissists that I have known are all about stealing my energy, stealing my power, manipulating my energy. Yes. And I think that's a lot more than just thinking, wow, aren't I pretty? Oh, hugely, hugely different. And there's there's a, when you said that, and I got a flash of someone in my life who, who, very much as a narcissist, someone from my family of origin. And I remember there used to be like this look, like an I win look, I got you look, mm-hmm. 
Mm-hmm. And it's very, it's deliberate. It's calculated. It's, and every once in a while that veil drops and you see the game or you see the, the, the intent behind what's going on. And it is, it's, yep. it's, I, it, I don't think it's, um, it just happens. I think they plan it out. Yes. And it's calculated. You can see, just like you were saying, when they are arguing with you, you can see this look of joy in their eyes. Yeah. It's kind of crazy, but you can. You can see it. And it's like, whoa, did I just see that? And then sometimes I'd hear from other people, wow, they looked really happy kind of when they were arguing. And I'd think, wow, they saw that too. And uh-huh. so there's a lot more to it. Um and like I said with the um, earlier question we had, most narcissists will triangulate you so they'll get other people on their side. And you can you can see it. It's calculated. And I think it's important to really study that and be aware of it. Um, there's there's lots of great information out there. But if you just go, I think it's called the nefarious nine. Dr. Phil has come up with like a list of attributes of the general narcissist you'll meet. And it's it's just it's just good, I think, to study it on your own so that you'll know exactly what you are dealing with. Um, but anyway, setting the boundary again and again and again or walking away. And while okay. you're setting that boundary again and again and again, um, getting your own support team is going to be really, really crucial. Yes. You know, whether that's a therapist, whether that's a, a bunch of really good friends that you can trust and confide in, but making sure that you have that support team because the narcissist's greatest weapon is doubt. They make you doubt yourself and your decisions. And when you catch it before it's, and this was a specific example that, uh, anyway, I'm not going to go into all the details, but I volleyed it back and I played someone at their own, own game and I felt terrible. Like I felt like I was tapping into some evil dark spawn inside of me, but I did the, you know, it was, this person tends to double talk and try to get you off your guard and, and then go in for the kill. And I just mollied it back and I knew what I was doing. I was being the calculating one, which I'm not proud of, but to see that look of bewilderment on this person's face, because it didn't usually play out that way. It usually became me being the one emotionally battered. And instead I flipped the, it's similar to pushing the energy back, I guess. Mm-hmm. So, and, and not in a, in more in a, an empowering way, not in a malicious way. It was no, more like, no. I don't want to feel this way anymore. You, you, you're I mean, not going to have this control. I don't think you could be malicious if you consciously decided to. <laughs> <laughs> well, thank you. I hope not. But Check that I think we, I come back to that spectrum thing. I think we all have it in there. Um, sure. Well, it's like so, when we did our show on on empowering the ego. I mean, there's some good aspects. Yeah. To, to that, you know, it, it. So it's not all bad. I'm just talking about the ones that are on the farthest side of the spectrum, where it does become more malignant. Where it becomes we have, similar um, to, oh, go ahead. Oh, I was just going to say where you're physically becoming ill or drained or, yes, that that's too far the other way. Mm-hmm. Pay attention to how you feel when that person texts or calls you. And I don't mean when you're talking to them. I mean the, the, the minute you see their phone yes. number pop up on your ID, pay attention to what emotions, thoughts, and feelings go into your body, that will give you your answer. Yes. Oh, I love that. Yes. I was just going to say before, we we have three minutes left, so do you want to do the last one? Okay. The hello, I'm so very excited. Yeah. Okay. All about your new podcast. I've been listening to Psychic Teachers for a while, and now, now I'm looking forward to Enlightened Empaths. I've always known I'm an empath, but I love how you described four different types of empaths. I've always been able to feel a room walking into it, but when you talked about the different types of empaths, I instantly knew I know animals best. There was this one instance over 10 years ago when a bee on a, with a bee on a boat when we were fishing. I didn't want him to die, but I knew he 
wood if he got more wet, so I made sure he was safe on the seat beside me until he could dry off to fly away. It was a strange situation. It was like we had this understanding. Meanwhile, my husband was looking at me like a lunatic. Many, many instances like this since I was a little girl. Anyways, I've always been looking for work in this small town that I moved to over a year ago and finally got a job at a vet clinic. I only started a week ago, and that week it was great for the most part, but I can see how this may play heavy on my heartstrings. Well, holding an animal that is scared, I'm trying to send light and calm, not only to the animal, but myself. Is there a better way to protect myself from feeling the animal myself? I think this job could be great for me, and I can probably help in different ways to the animals coming in, but I worry that it will cause great hurt for me too. Any insight would be helpful. Thank you. Do you, I think the, well, the animal, go ahead. Are you thinking or? <laughs> I'm thinking because this is something I still grapple with. I'm I'm the same as her. I I save insects. I, I you know, oh. I was telling you before we started recording, I took my girls to the aquarium to visit these two penguins. They were visiting my town just for the weekend. And I thought they were just going to be in this little enclosure and you could walk by and go, oh, that's so cool. There's penguins. But it wasn't like that. They were in this auditorium on this um, like platform and we were in line for like an hour. And when your group was next, you got to go up to the penguins and pet them and take pictures with them. And it was really cool and wonderful. But the whole time I'm asking the handlers, um, have these penguins have had any breaks? Are they anxious? There's so many people around them. They must be kind of traumatized. And right. he was like, yeah, they're definitely working hard today, but they're getting breaks every hour. And I don't know, but I just worried about those penguins the whole thing. Right, <laughs> which is being an empath. You can't help it. Right, right, right. Um, and I, I wanted to be a vet so badly I could taste it when I was a kid. And then I took chemistry and realized those, those dreams were going to die. Um, and I've wondered ever since, like, what if I could have handled the science part of you know, vet school, I don't know that I could have handled working with animals that way. However, I'd like to imagine that I would have come up with a way to see that even when the animal is scared and terrified and traumatized, what I am doing is ultimately to help this animal. And I'd like to think that I would be able to use that line of thinking to get through the empathy side. And, and the empathy piece is huge because my one of my sons had talked about going to medical school. He said, I could work on people. I could cut people open. I could never do that to animals. And I said, really? He said, oh, definitely. He said, people, I could, I could definitely be a human doctor, but I could never, ever see animals in that much pain. Mm-hmm. So th- this lady, um, which says volumes, and he's right because animals are true, um, but I, I think the part to focus on is sending that love and healing, that calmness that you're bringing. They're going to feel safe. That's such a difficult place for uh, my, my Grace had gotten like hit by a car a little bit. We went to the emergency vet. She was fine. And the person there was exceptional because she was just traumatized, but also um, Brought, I could almost see the light coming through this person. They were in the right place at the right time. And this lady or man feels very much the same thing. Well, and I, I also want to, this is going to make me sound a little off kilter, so bear with me, everyone. <laughs> but, but I have had really good experience with this. And I do feel that animals are telepathic. And I do feel... Oh, yes. Yeah, and I do feel that if you talk to them in your head, um, that they will hear you. And and you can test this out. Like today, you know, my daughters are petting these penguins, and they're walking all over the little platform. And I just thought the thought, thank you so much for what you're doing today for humans. We are so enjoying your sacrifice of today. And then I projected an image of them resting in their little enclosure with lots of fish around them for like food and comfort and rest. And I, and I just projected that image into their heads, the two little heads and both of them waddled over to me and stayed underneath my hand until the handler said it was time for the next group. 
And I'm not saying like I'm some animal miracle worker or Dr. Doolittle. I think anyone (laughs) can do that. But but I agree because they're they're vibrating at that frequency. They're going mm-hmm. to pick up on that. They're not caught up in the cognitive stuff that we are. Mm-hmm. And I would so love while to do an animal be... show. Oh, we should. And so while she's thinking, can I really handle this job? I would ask her to consider, can the animals not handle you ha- handle having you around? Like, for example, when I first moved to this um, town and I had to find a vet, the first vet I went to was very cold. And I felt bad for the animals under his care. And so I switched and went to a different vet who was just wonderful. And so just because, you know, you choose to be a vet or a vet tech or a vet assistant doesn't mean you're great with animals. And so I would say that her beautiful energy and light is needed there. Yes, I agree. I agree entirely. Um, And as far as, I know we have to go really quick, but just as an aside, there's a lady I do readings for here in Maine, and she sent me a note that her dog, they lost one dog, and since the the big dog had passed, this puppy has been barking, and they made a joke. It's like, oh, well, Hank is here to visit. So, So her husband, who didn't believe in this, made a joke. He said, well, maybe you should take a picture of Hank. So she the granddaughter grabbed a picture and they took a picture of this little dog, Lily, and there was this giant orb right next to her. So, so they joked that it was Hank and then the dog was really losing it. And she said, Oh my gosh. And her granddaughter took like a video of what was going on. And when they played it back, the whole room was filled with orbs and the dog was like watching the orbs. Isn't that cool as hell? Oops. Sorry about the swear. Oh, that's okay. You're going to give us an, an E-explicit rating oh. on our podcast. No, I'm kidding. Um, that is so cool. I love stories like that. Have you seen that photo that went viral of the woman spreading her dog's ashes? No. And when the ashes, um, she just tossed them into the wind. But I think it was by the ocean or by the park. It was somewhere where she had always taken the dog. And when, yeah. she, when she tosses them into the wind, her friend took a picture, and the ashes formed a perfect image of a dog jumping oh wow Ooh, willie's head to toe yeah i'll have to wow. find that and send it to you and if i remember yes. i'll post it on our facebook page because it's just so cool so yeah i think i just think animals um are here to teach us so much and i think if you have it within you to work as a vet tech and you have this beautiful empathy and light i i think you owe it to yourself and to the animals to do that and to you know, work with the sensitivity that will come up in that in that line of work. I mean, we all have to deal with that. How many times at the community college, oh my gosh, did I have I mean I, I had I had a student once, he came to class, it was um it was a six PM class, a night class, six to nine, and he came at six thirty. And, you know, I, I was never one of those super strict teachers, like you have to be here it was community college. Right. These people are working all day. If they're thirty minutes late, you know once or twice there's traffic there's annoying bosses no big deal but it was every single class so after a couple I just pulled him aside after class and I said look I said I just need you to try to be here on time a little bit more and he said oh I'm so sorry Miss Faye I'm so sorry he said I I didn't really want to share this with you but I'm homeless right now and I have to wait in line um it's right next door at the Salvation Army for for my dinner and sometimes the line's really long Oh, oh my gosh, I was, oh. I felt so terrible. Um, and I was like, look, you, you just come whenever you can. Don't worry about it, you know. But, right. but how many times as a teacher yourself have you come across heartbreaking stories where you just think, oh. I can't do this. Like I can't, I can't Perfect. be what they need yes. me to be. I can't fix yes. them. I can't. Oh, and it gets so overwhelming. And yet you have to just step back and think, I'm doing what I can with what I have, and this is where I feel called to be. Right. That's and I think we beautiful, beautiful way to put that. Yeah, and we can't uh, just we can't judge ourselves too much, you know. That's that's the one message I would love to get through my thick skull, and to anyone else listening who's an empath. <laughs> you know, it's if we could just be as nice to ourselves as we are to everyone else. What a magical place this would be. Yeah. I think that's that's a huge, huge lesson for all of us as empaths. 
as humans on Thank the planet, too. but especially as empaths. Yes. That's a nice okay. nice way to end the show, too. That's yeah. perfect. Well, everyone, thank you so much for listening. Um, please keep sending us your questions. You can send them to us on the message link on our Facebook page, Enlightened Empaths. Um, and if we keep getting enough questions, we will keep doing this um, as like a monthly Q&A. Um, we, De- Denise and I are also going to be teaching some webinars in January and February. We'll have dates and all the contact information on our Facebook page. So look for it there. We're excited to have you be able to see us and to be able to see you and interact with you in um, a more visual format and in a teaching environment. And we just wish you a beautiful, blessed, happy, joyful week. And tune in next week. And we look forward to hearing from you in the meantime. Yes. Good night, everyone. Bye-bye.